Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Sunday edition of the Royal Ramble. I am your host, Blaine the Brain, and we are officially on the road to WrestleMania. Philadelphia is the destination, but there was certainly no brotherly love or sisterly love for that matter last night in St. Petersburg. You are in store for one hell of a review, so let's not waste any more time. Away we go. Last night's event took place at Tropicana Field, and the announcers kept mentioning the last time the Rumble happened in the state was in 2021, only this time it was in front of live fans. Before the opening video, which I didn't think we were going to get based on how things started, we saw highlights of some notables including Roman Reigns, Randy Orton, Rhea Ripley, and Bianca Belair walking through different sections of the arena just to show how they're mentally preparing for the Rumble event. The intro video was for some reason narrated by Hulk Hogan, talking about past Rears Royal Rumbles and Rumble winners. I know Hogan's beat shop is in Florida, but I felt Steve Austin would have been a more appropriate choice for something like this, or even Shawn Michaels, as either of them are more commonly associated with the Royal Rumble, but it wasn't bad. From there, we also saw highlights of CM Punk and Cody Rhodes walking around in separate areas as well. And then, just like last year, we hear the music and out comes Pat McAfee to join the announced team of Corey Graves and Michael Cole for commentary. I have to admit that McAfee does bring in renewed energy to the broadcast, and if this becomes an annual or even occasional thing, I'd be fine with it. The event starts with the Women's Royal Rumble match, and my god does Samantha Irvin have some serious chops on her. I kind of feel sorry for Ricochet having a girlfriend that can yell that loud. Natalia starts from the number one position as we await number two, and it is none other than the returning Naomi, who is a Florida native. I'm not sure if this was an official return or just a one-off, but the announcers actually mentioned that she is a former TNA Knockouts champion and has been wrestling in TNA since she left. Times have certainly changed, and I must say that she probably received the pop of her career. They are soon joined by Bailey at number three and Candice LeRae at number four. Candace delivers a combination face buster to Bailey and lands with a senton on Natalia, which was kind of cool. The crowd was really going wild at this point for Bailey. But then at number five is TNA Knockouts champion Jordan Grace, and I was absolutely losing my mind at this point. And to top it off, not only does Grace come out with the TNA Knockouts title, but the announcers also mention that she was the woman who took that title from Naomi. I thought Jordan was presented as a massive star here, and I've been hearing rumors all week that WWE and TNA are working together, and I wonder if this means that some WWE talent will now be going the other way. They have been mentioning WWE a lot on Impact as well lately. Jordan and Naomi go at it almost immediately, and then Indy Hartwell comes out at number 6 and Asuka at number 7. Interesting that Bayley looked confused and somewhat upset that Asuka showed up and apparently Graves and I were on the same wavelength as he questioned why Bailey would get upset when she now has an ally in the match. In fact, I thought Cole actually did a good job of noting possible teamwork when partners of previous entrants showed up. Asuka enters the match with a double missile dropkick, and then she and Bailey work together, and Bailey helps Asuka throw out Hartwell for the first elimination. Ivy Nile comes out at number 8, and there was a funny spot where Bailey was opening the ropes and inviting Cole to enter the match. Katana Chance comes out at 9, and there was a cool spot where the two powerhouses, Nile and Grace, delivered synchronized delayed vertical suplexes. I was just thinking that it would do Nile no favors to be standing anywhere near Jordan Grace, as she would suddenly not appear as physically impressive, but they did a good job of hiding that for the most part. 
Bianca Belair comes out at 10 and immediately goes after Damage Control until the third Damage Control member, Kyrie Sane, enters at number 11. They team up to eliminate Candice LeRae. Tegan Knox comes out at number 12, and Natty actually saves her partner Tegan from being eliminated, but then soon tries to throw Tegan out herself, which made zero sense to me. In any case, it doesn't work, as Tegan reverses positions to throw out Natalia, and then Bailey sneaks up from behind to eliminate Knox. Caden Carter enters at 13, and I'm usually not a fan of these Rumble Elimination save spots, but there was a cool one here where Kyrie is back body dropped over the top rope, but goes 360 and actually grips part of the LED board with her heels to stay in the match, which I can't imagine what kind of strength and agility that would take. But unfortunately, she couldn't hold on forever and eventually falls out. Asuka is then eliminated by Carter and Chance, and I was kind of surprised that damage control would be out so quickly, as Bailey was now the only one left in the match. Chelsea Green comes out at 14. At this point, Bianca and Jordan are fighting on the apron, which seems to happen a lot throughout the night. Bianca gets the advantage and hits a KOD to Grace on the ring apron to finally eliminate the knockout champion. I thought Jordan Grace had a great showing in this match, and hopefully it boosts TNA's overall viewership moving forward. Piper Niven comes out at 15, and it looked like Chelsea was going to be eliminated, but she actually falls right into the arms of Piper, who teases dropping her, but eventually helps her back in. She does accidentally splash her in the corner, though, at one point. Zia Lee comes out at 16, followed by Zelina Vega at 17, and Zelina has a unique outfit. I'm not much of a gamer, but I believe it was some kind of video game reference she was supposed to resemble. If anyone knows, please feel free to post it up in the Facebook group. Maxine Dupree comes out at 18 and delivers a head scissor to Bailey while throwing up the double uh, thank you peace sign, which was pretty funny. Niven eliminates Carter at this point. Nia Jax then comes out at 19 and quickly dominates. Nia eliminates Zaya and Ivy Nile. She then squashes Chelsea in the corner. At this point, everyone tries to gang up on Nia, but she fights them all off. There was a funny spot where Nia and Piper try to run into each other, but Chelsea got caught in the middle and is squashed, and Chelsea did a beautiful job of selling here, or at least I hope it was selling. Shotzi enters at 20. Maxine delivers a reverse caterpillar at one point to Nia, and then everyone again tries to gang up on Jax, but she once again fights them off. Bailey eliminates Maxine. Nia then throws out both Piper and Chelsea, one after the other. Actually, I thought Chelsea was eliminated, but she actually must have gone through the rope, so only Piper was eliminated. Nia also eliminates Katana Chance as Becky Lynch shows up at number 21 and immediately goes after Jax. Becky then officially eliminates Chelsea. Alba Fire comes out at number 22, and apparently there was only room for in the Rumble for one member of that team, and I guess Alba won the coin toss. She delivered a good-looking double gory bomb to both Zelina and Shotzi. Shayna Baszler enters at 23 and applies a suspended Kimura on Alba, which looked pretty unique. Valhalla comes out at number 24, but then suddenly R-Truth races past her and tries to enter the Women's Rumble. But when he looks around and notices no men in the ring, he gets confused and is thrown out by Jax. Adam Pearce then comes out to instruct Truth to the back and tells Valhalla to take her place in the ring, but the distraction causes Valhalla to be quickly eliminated by Naya, and she then lunges at Truth, having to be held back by officials. Mishin comes out at 25 and hits a springboard tornado DDT to fire, leading to fire being thrown out by Naomi, who is amazingly still in the match. Zoe Stark comes out at 26. Zelina tries to head-scissor Shayna over the top rope, but Shayna blocks it, and Zoe kicks Zelina out. 
Roxanne Perez shows up at 27 as Naya throws out both Baszler and Mishin, followed by Shotzi. And then it's the debuting Jade Cargill at number 28. She goes face-to-face with Jax and actually hoists her up in a firewoman's carry and then flips it into a spinebuster. Jade does her best to pick up Naya with a slam. She barely gets her up, but it's enough to dump Jax over the top rope and out. This wasn't quite on the level of Cesaro and Big Show, but still pretty impressive and a great use of Jade. Tiffany Stratton from NXT enters at number 29 with a top rope swanton onto the pile of wrestlers who were standing in the ring. And then at number 30 is the returning Liv Morgan, and I couldn't care less. But Liv eliminates Stark, and then Tiffany throws out Roxanne. Io Sky and Rhea Ripley are then both shown watching from separate monitors in the back. Bianca and Jade hoist their opponents up for synchronized press slams, and then catch each other's eyes and just drop whomever they're carrying so they can face off, and the crowd is all for this confrontation. Before anything gets physical, Bailey and Tiffany attack each of them. Jade grabs hold of Naomi and swings her into Becky Lynch, who is standing on the apron, which causes Becky to be eliminated. Jade then throws Naomi out. Stratton and Belair were fighting on the apron, and just when it looked like Bianca was going to eliminate Tiffany, Tiffany grabs a hold of Bianca's braid to pull herself back up. But while Bianca is distracted, Bailey sneaks up from behind and dumps both of them out. It's down now to Liv Morgan, Jade Cargill, and Bailey as the final three. All three are fighting on the ring apron for some reason, and things are getting intense with each passing second. The two smaller women try to double-team Jade, and Liv hits Jade with an oblivion on the ring apron, which actually eliminates Cargill, and then Bailey quickly knocks off Morgan, so Bailey is the 2024 Women's Royal Rumble winner. This was a great match. There was no wasted time on this show, though, as we went right into the next match. It was the fatal four-way for the WWE Universal title, with Roman Reigns defending against AJ Styles, LA Knight, and Randy Orton. I was a little surprised at the placement of this match and thought for sure that the three challengers would be in the men's rumble. That didn't happen, but I guess they needed time to get Roman Kammer ready for his appearance later in the show. This was a fine match and not really typical of a Roman Reigns title defense, at least not until the closing sequence, but I'll get into that. The three challengers kind of just looked at each other before trying to trap Reigns in the corner to start the match. They each delivered some shots to the champion before Knight and AJ just paired off on their own. Actually, just to rewind a little bit, apparently Slim Jim had jumped back on board as a sponsor for the show as there was a commercial before Knight's entrance. An interesting development there. There was a spot in the match where Knight was just repeatedly bouncing Orton's head off the announce table, and then Orton retaliated with a belly-to-back suplex tonight onto that same table, which didn't break. Reigns took over for the next little while until Knight hit a BFT out of nowhere, which I thought was Orton's gimmick but Styles just ended up falling onto the pin to break it up. Styles then hit Reigns with a Styles Clash, but Knight returned the favor and broke that pin. There was a spot where AJ tried a springboard, but Orton caught him mid-move and delivered an RKO from the top rope, and then a standard RKO to Knight, and then countered Roman's Superman punch into another RKO. Just when it looked like Orton had victory well in hand, the ref was pulled out of the ring by Solo Sokoa. Orton grabbed Solo by the hood and pulled him onto the apron, but Solo broke his grip and nailed Orton with a Samoan spike. Solo delivered a second spike to Knight and then stacked Knight on top of Orton. Solo then saw AJ at ringside and tried to splash him against the barricade, but AJ moved and Solo went right through it. 
Roman surveyed the damage in the ring, but noticed that AJ is missing from the pile, and then AJ comes flying at him with a phenomenal forearm, which dropped Roman right on top of Knight and Orton. AJ then tried to pin everyone, but they all kicked out. Styles then brought a chair into the ring and beat the hell out of Reigns, and then focused on Knight. He then targeted Orton, but Orton thumbed him in the eye. Roman then speared Orton, but Orton wisely rolled out of the ring. LA Knight then set up Roman for a BFT, but Roman shoved Knight into the ropes, which ended up tripping AJ, who was going for a springboard move. Roman then drilled Knight with a Superman punch and speared Styles to win the match. They showed Cody Rhodes getting ready for the men's rumble later as we go into the US title match between Logan Paul and Kevin Owens. Before the match, they showed that singer Jelly Roll at ringside. He was also on the panel during the kickoff show for the two of you who watched it. The match was probably the weakest of the night, but the finish was very creative. Logan spent the whole match basically trying to weaken KO's hand and also set up for his own knockout punch. As Paul went for the superplex, he started taunting Graves at ringside as Graves said that no one has ever superplexed Owens, but then the distraction allowed Owens to recover and hit Paul with a cradle suplex from the top rope. Owens went for the stunner, but Paul avoided it by attacking KO's hand. Paul then loaded up for the knockout, but Owens caught him with a super kick. Owens then tried for the stunner, but Paul beat him to the punch, literally, with a knockout blow, only for Owens to kick out, which caught everyone by surprise, and Paul did a masterful job of selling here. Suddenly, one of Paul's entourage guys came through the crowd with brass knuckles, but this time he was immediately caught by the ref. As security was trying to get him out of there, Austin Theory and Grayson Waller came running down. While Waller had the ref and security distracted, Theory placed the brass knuckles on the apron for Paul to use, but Owens beat him to it. Owens grabbed the knucks and knocked out Paul, but as he went for the pin, the referee noticed the brass knuckles still on the hand of Owens and called for the bell, so Paul retains on a disqualification. A dusty finish this might be, but I thought it was brilliant and a great way to continue the story while keeping both guys strong. And then after the match, Owens put Paul through the announce table with a powerbomb. And that led into the final match of the night. It was the men's Royal Rumble match. I kind of figured something like this would happen when Jimmy Uso drew his number on SmackDown this week and looked less than pleased. But when Jay Uso showed up as number one, it kind of dotted the exclamation point of my prediction as Jimmy Uso was number two. It was about as close to this generation's Axe vs. Smash as we're going to get, and I loved it. They got right in each other's faces, and I liked how they took their time and didn't go all out with this brawl, especially if they're supposed to face each other at Mania. I think they did just enough to keep people interested. Grayson Waller came out at number three and started cutting a promo, basically running down the Florida crowd and saying no one cares about this sibling rivalry. He then joined Jimmy to double-team Jay until number four came out, and it is the returning Andrade fresh off his AEW run. And he's apparently a babyface, at least for now. Carmelo Hayes came out at number 5, he hit a face buster to Waller and then clotheslined him out for the first elimination. Shinsuke Nakamura was number 6 and the fans started singing his song, and McAfee wanted to get into it as well, but both Cole and Graves told him that it's not the same Shinsuke it was when he was last here. Santos Escobar came out at number 7 and immediately tries to buddy up with Andrade, but they quickly turn on each other. Karrion Cross is out at 8, followed by Dominic Mysterio at 9 and Carlito at 10. Carlito spit an apple in the face of Escobar and threw him out. Bobby Lashley comes out at 11. He spears everyone in sight before coming face-to-face -face with Cross. Lashley then eliminates both Carlito and Cross, 
but then Paul Ellering comes out with the AOP to distract Lashley, which allows Cross to sneak back in and eliminate him. The Street Profits run out, and the two factions start brawling all the way to the back. I really love how they're using both Rumbles to advance TV feuds, which is how it should be. Ludwig Kaiser enters at number 12, followed by Austin Theory at 13 and Finn Balor at 14. As Dominic is in trouble, Balor races over and helps Dominic eliminate Carmelo Hayes. Cody Rhodes enters at 15, he hits a Cody Cutter and eliminates Theory. Bronson Reed is out next at 16, he delivers a double Samoan drop to two guys. Andrade then tries for his running back elbow, but is caught by Reed and dumped out. Cody and Nakamura then renew their rivalry. Kofi Kingston is out at 17, and Cody hits a Cody Cutter and eliminates Nakamura. Kofi then eliminates Kaiser as Gunther joins the match at 18. Gunther goes face-to-face -face with Cody, but then quickly eliminates Kingston. Ivar enters at 19, and he and Bronson go at it. Braun Breaker from NXT enters the match at number 20 and goes spear crazy. Breaker quickly eliminates both Jimmy Uso and Finn Balor before going face-to-face -face with Gunther. Really power lifts Gunther at one point. I thought they made Breaker look great in this match. Omos returns at number 21 and immediately boots Reed out of there. Breaker then spears and eliminates Ivar. As Breaker and Omos stare each other down, Pat McAfee enters the match at number 22. I have to imagine that this was probably the number intended for Brock Lesnar, though likely not the same spot. McAfee basically gets into the ring, takes one look at Omos and Breaker, and then makes his own exit from the match. Cole noted that McAfee lasted 38 seconds, so he still holds a record as the announcer who's lasted the longest in a Rumble match, which I still don't buy because I think Lawler and Coachman have both outlasted Cole's time in previous Rumbles. Breaker then eliminated Omos, and Dominic of all people snuck up from behind and threw out Breaker. That elimination was surprising, but I liked how it was a sneak attack to make it more believable. JD McDonough enters at number 23 and is immediately speared at ringside by Breaker before even getting into the ring. R-Truth then comes out at 24, he throws JD into the ring, only for him to be immediately eliminated by Jey Uso, who is still in the match as the number one entrant. R-Truth then gets on the apron and is reaching out to tag Dominic. Dominic actually plays along and tags Truth in. Truth then delivers the five moves of Doom to Gunther. The Miz comes out at 25, followed by Damian Priest at 26. Priest immediately floors Truth with a solid right hand and throws him out. CM Punk enters at 27 and quickly eliminates Dominic, who is surprisingly still in the match by then. Ricochet comes out at 28 and Gunther chops Miz out of the match. Drew McIntyre enters at 29. Jey Uso tries to throw Gunther out, but Gunther reverses the momentum and eliminates Jay. Sami Zayn then returns at number 30 and goes right after Drew as fans sing his song. Drew catches Ricochet's boot and flips him 360 out of the ring. Sami ducks a clothesline from Priest and delivers one of his own to eliminate the Money in the Bank winner. Drew then sneaks up from behind to eliminate Zayn, and we are left with Drew, Punk, Cody, and Gunther as the final four, as both Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins are shown watching for the match from separate skyboxes. McIntyre claymores all three guys left in the ring. He sets his sights on Punk, but takes a little bit too much time, allowing Punk to scoop him up in a fireman's carry, and Punk eliminates McIntyre. On the other side of the ring... Cody tries a bulldog on Gunther, who powers Rhodes up and positions him on the apron, but Cody manages to maintain a hold of Gunther's head and actually headlocks Gunther right over the top rope and out. 
So it's down to Cody and Punk as the final two. They had a great closing sequence here, very reminiscent of Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker from 2007. Punk hit a pedigree on Cody and yelled that he didn't wait 10 years just to lose to Dusty's kid. Punk goes for a GTS, but Cody blocks it and ends up throwing Punk out. Cody then points to the skybox where Roman Reigns is sitting, so yes, it looks like it'll be Cody versus Roman 2 at WrestleMania. So that was the Rumble. I will be back next week to review NXT Vengeance Day. Until then, I leave you with an A-B-C-Y-A.